Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambuel, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award-winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos. And then standing in for Deacon Doug Flynn today, we have uh, Deacon Rob Rezevi, who is, uh, many of you probably recognize his name. He was the president of St. Mary's High School for several years. And uh, before that, he was with uh, the pro-life organization called Vitae, Vitae Foundation. So welcome, Deacon Rob. Privileged to be here. Thanks so much. And, and condolences. <laughs> So before we begin our discussion today, uh, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in an opening prayer? In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. So um, for today's topic, we are going to take as our um, kind of starting point uh, a recent article in, that appeared in the National Catholic Register. Actually, it's dated October 7th, which was uh, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. But anyway, it's called um, How to Battle Historical Bias, a Catholic Guide. And, you know, basically what the article discusses is all the kind of misconceptions and half-truths and stereotypes that get thrown around about the Catholic Church, um, both in terms of um, the Catholic Church's uh, approach to scientific discovery and then also the role that the Church We're against played. that, aren't we? <laughs> oh, wait, we'll have to wait and find out. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting I to I jumped that. the script. <laughs> and also just the the church's role in various um historical um events you know and and so uh you know and i and i think um you know before the show we were talking about certainly one of the biggest stereotypes that gets thrown around in pop culture today i think is that the church is anti science you know, and that the church always tries to um, stifle any new discoveries. And, and you know, it's it's just, um, it, it doesn't take much to debunk that, but it's a very persistent uh, myth. Well, it doesn't take much fact to debunk it, but it does take a whole lot of effort. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> these things are embedded in our culture and they're not questioned and they're unassailable. And and if if you proclaim that it's wrong to say the Catholic Church was the aggressor in the Crusades, uh, you're nuts. Well, uh, yeah, that's a pretty easy provable, easily provable case in my case. But um, the the whole fiasco, uh, one might say, around Galileo. Uh, who began the scientific inquiry into, well, is the church the center of the universe or is it, <laughs> is it not? Is, is the sun 
the center of our uh, solar system and the earth rotates around the sun. Uh, and the church, there was, there was a lot of idiocy on both sides. Uh, but the church was never anti-science. It was always protecting truth and not just truth of faith, but truth of discovery of science. So I was wrong earlier when I said, aren't we against discovery? Uh, we're very much for discovery of truth. Um, and, and I think, uh, Deacon Rob, you, you mentioned, uh, that the, the tares, the poison or the weeds, uh, of these cultural isms that are unassailable, they find their ways into Catholic circles all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would even see that in the school and the, this idea that I read it on the internet, right? Which is one of the most comical things that we can say, but people say it all the time. Um, that I heard it on the internet on this yeah, silly yeah, podcast. The, yeah, there you go. So, but it's, um, you know, and it's, it's crazy because you were talking about, you know, people think the church is anti-science. Um, some of the greatest scientists in the history of the world have been Catholic scientists supported by the Catholic church. And so it's, it's embarrassing. And, and, you know, this is, we want to be truthful here in our podcast. There's no attribution to this quote, but the, the quote that, that, you know, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can get its shoes on um, is true. And what we see when one of those falsehoods comes out, particularly as it pertains to the Catholic church, um, that falsehood ends up on page one, the virtual page one, and then the, the retraction or the truth comes by a week or a month later, and it's on page 20. So, you know, to your point, Deacon Patrick, that just to just to try to um, slay all these dragons, it's like playing whack-a-mole. And, and it's everywhere, right? It's in every part of our culture, which is one of the reasons why we have a podcast, to try to fix some of those things. <laughs> and, and you can trust it because we're on the Internet. Because yeah, we're on the Internet, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, it, um as as you were talking, Deacon Rob, the the figure that kind of came to my mind was, um, you know, Gregor Mendel, who who basically uh, was the the person who discovered, you know, dominant and recessive genes. You know, basically explained so much. He discovered of... Levi's. <laughs> and 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 you know, um, it, it's just. Uh, it's it's amazing because you know so when when the church speaks out for example these days now in modern times um against like you know things like uh, you know genetic engineering right of of embryos or um you know all sorts of what we would consider um unethical or immoral practices you, you know the fact that that again here was a a catholic um I, I, I honestly can't remember if he was a brother or a priest who basically discovered the field in the first place, but were, were, were treated as if how could you dare even weigh in on this subject? You know, so it, yeah, it's a very, it's a very distorted worldview for well, sure. One of the poverties of modern science is that it, it has fallen for the false dichotomy that science is antithetical to faith and faith is antithetical to science. And when that happens, science stops actually being obedient to its own process. And we're seeing this over and over and over where scientists 
manipulate their studies in order to get better funding. Sure. And they're doing some, some of it's obviously intentional and some of it is just, it's the way the system works. And so that's how they can have a career. Um, and it brings up the idea of why do we need to learn about the past? Well, there's of course the old thing of those who don't learn about the past are doomed to repeat it. Um, and, and there's very much truth to that, but there's also a call for us as Catholics of we need to restore Christ to science. We need to restore science as a pursuit of truth, a quest for truth that needs to be boldly, humbly obedient to Christ's full revelation. Because truth can't contradict truth. The truth, the, the church is never against truth. And so the reason that we need to learn about these is so we can start to recognize how is it Satan is twisting our understanding and our intellect and our thoughts against truth in ways we don't even see. And your example, Veronica, is a fantastic one because it sets up the straw man argument of, well, the church is against progress because it's against in, in, <laughs> in vitro fertilization. Uh, and it's against this these genetic things like cloning. And I don't know that we've even come out with a statement on that one. Um, and we're against AI and we're against all these things. No, we're against them being against the truth. And the truth includes how is it that science and progress of science and understanding can uphold human dignity and advance humanity towards Christ? Yeah, that's really that's a that's very really, different thing. Yeah, that's really, really well said, um, because, you know, one of the things faith does is provides a guardrail. Um to just, you know, un, unfettered scientific study. And we, we've just come out of, you know, COVID where everything was follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. And then suddenly we have a situation in all of this, um, this gender madness where someone is scientifically, factually, a male or a woman. And the same people that say follow the science say, well, you know, that's just a construct, you know, it's just a social construct. So, so there's a level of hypocrisy in there that I think is very confusing to the faithful who are trying to sort out what is true and what is false. So, um, the other area where, um, you know, as we mentioned earlier that there's just so many, um, misconceptions about the Catholic church is in relation to, you know, certain historical, eras and events. Um, and I know, uh, Deacon Patrick, you had brought up one, one of the biggies and, we, and we know this is true. Um, even in regards to the Monty Python movies is, is the crusades, you know, just the, the, the idea that the crusades were basically, um, a war waged by the church to, um, plunder, uh, countries in the Middle East and the Holy Land and that kind of thing. Um, and I happened to be listening to uh, a radio show uh, 
I, I think it was last week sometime where someone actually was explaining what was involved in, in being a crusader. I mean, among other things, you had to like um, sell all your property, I think, because they, you know, the, the person who wanted to, um, the, uh, you know, if a man wanted to uh, travel to the Holy Land, he had to finance this trip. And, it, and they were talking about it was a tremendous hardship. But, but really what it was, was a essentially a, a penitential practice um, that uh, it was, it was in a sense, almost like, a, almost akin to um, what you would do like to gain an indulgence or, or something like that. So, um, you know, it's just it, the, all these movies that show the, you know, the crusaders in these um, uh, really elaborate and, you know, bejeweled costumes and things like that, um, it really are, are very in, in, inaccurate. Well, and there's the idea that it was the church's aggressive spreading of the faith, that this is how we evangelized. And when you actually look at the facts of each of the Crusades, because there are Arguably, there's a number of different ones, um, and they each have different specific causes, but they all boil down to uh, Muslims were spreading Islam the way the church is accused of spreading Catholicism, uh, by taking over territory, and, and uh, the church's crusades against Islam were defensive or they were reclaiming lands that had been Christian and had been invaded. We were never the invaders. And to your point of uh, the crusade crusaders are often shown as, um, uh, sacking places, uh, for their own benefit. There were immoral acts high among them, the sacking of Jerusalem and the sacking of Constantinople that were immoral, but that doesn't make the overall war unjust. Um, it's uh, those specific acts that were unjust. And then I, I think, um, as you mentioned earlier, Deacon Patrick, the, the Inquisition is another um, episode in history where the, the church is, painted as being, you know, um, completely oppressive and corrupt. <laughs> We're an easy straw man on this one, especially with people who are historically ignorant. Um, so first of all, you have to understand Spain. They had just gone through one of the most recent crusades, booting the Muslims out of Spain. And uh, so they were actually well prepared to not fall for the um, Protestant Catholic wars that plagued the rest of Europe and uh, England. Um, but what the, the problem that they faced is there were a lot of conversions from 
Jewish, from those who were Jews and those who were Muslim, to Catholicism, and they converted so that they could be Catholic and be in government. And then they were undermining, they were traitorous against the state, as well as betraying the church. And so the Inquisition was formed, and initially it was very aggressive, used torture, um, but then it was reformed, and the numbers are just amazing. The whole Spanish Inquisition put 100,000 people on trial, and out of that 100,000 only, and to our modern ears this sounds like a huge number, only 2,000 were executed. Um, but in contrast to that, uh, there's all the deaths from the Protestant Catholic Wars in the rest of Europe, and then the witch trials just from England and Germany executed 130,000, and they were far less just. Um, so the Spanish Inquisition, many people who were accused of civil um, crimes pretended to be heretical so that they could get the more lenient inquisition. <laughs> Their ads were better. Their um, ads were better under that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's no denying um, that um, Jews were, were persecuted um, in, in that time period. I mean, um, I, it, one of the fascinating things that uh, I read was that, you know, um, here, even here in what is now the United States, um, there were Jews who, um, in a sense, I, I, I don't know if this is the right word, pretended probably isn't the right word, but basically were kind of under the cover of Christianity um, because it was, yeah, it was easier, I think, to get along in society, right, if they blended in um, with the more dominant um, Christian culture, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, when, when Deacon Patrick, as you said, when you place it in the context that Spain has had just recovered from hundreds of years of, um, Muslim rule and oppression that it, it, it makes a, a lot more sense in a way. Um, and then, and then, uh, the other, uh, Another episode where uh, the church ha has been, and this actually was in the news recently, but it's it's a question that seems to come up every few years, is that um, could Pope Pius, I believe it was the 12th, have done more to protect Jews from the Nazis during World War II? <laughs> and time and time again, um, time and time the again, the answer is yes, we all could have, <laughs> right? If we were around, but, but, but also too, it also, what, what, when historians really dig into, you know, the letters and documents and things, what, what they always seem to find is that behind the scenes, he was doing quite a bit, but that, um, there but in order to not put, because let's, I mean, as we all know, where the war was being fought, there were 
um, you, you know, Catholics, uh, you know, monasteries, convents, priests, in all of those places that he was, uh, and, and as well as Jews, who he was trying not to bring down more um, hostility, right, against them. Yeah. You know, it's that's a fascinating example because it, it begs the question, do you want to win the argument or do you want to save the life? And, you know, the times that the Vatican spoke up. I want to look at Yeah. With the times <laughs> the Vatican spoke up during World War II, like they started, the Nazis started rounding up priests and started rounding up Catholics. And so, okay, we can win the argument and people die wholesale or we can work behind the scenes to save lives. And, you know, the state of Israel. You know, Golda Meir, their their first prime minister, um, spoke in glowing terms about what the Vatican did and what Pius XII did in particular to save lives. And so, you know, this this revisionist history, you know, you're in this little tiny state surrounded by, you know, hundreds of thousands of angry uh, military people. Uh, but you should you should speak up. Right. And so you speak up, you make your case and then everybody dies or you save lives and. And Veronica, like you said, I mean, widely debunked um, by legitimate historians. So, and another piece of World War One and Two, uh, and this is coming out as um, more is understood and revealed, and, and there's books now published about uh, Saint Carl um, of Austria, Emperor, the last Emperor uh, of Austria. Uh, and after uh, Archduke Ferdinand, his, I don't remember how, how it worked, but cousin, in essence, was murdered, uh, which was the impetus for World War I. He was working, uh, once he became emperor, he was working with the Pope to try to broker peace. Uh, but the challenge is there were secret treaties which the U S had supported through, uh, at least I don't remember if it was president Wilson at the time, or if he was, I'd have to look up the details of which president it was, um, that would not, the, the countries in those treaties would not agree with anything that was, um, brokered through the Pope that the Pope was involved with. And so, those attempts at peace didn't succeed and world war one was prolonged. We can't play. What if we don't know what would have happened? We don't know if any of those accords would have come through, uh, had, had these, uh, secret treaties not existed, but then the, uh, treaty of Versailles set it up so that it abolished, what was left of the Holy Roman empire, which was over a thousand years of Catholic, uh, monarchy and largely very successful and very enriching human life, uh, Catholic monarchy. And, uh, so emperor Carl and his family were exiled and that set up the poverty in Europe and particularly in Germany that led to, uh, the rise of Nazi Germany, um, and world war two. And so we, I, I know me going through public school, I learned we were the, 
saviors of Europe <laughs> for both world wars. And we certainly paid a very high price in uh, the butcher bill in blood and in treasure, treasure and blood for those two wars. But we're not, our hands aren't as squeaky clean as uh, our state run uh, education system would have did teach me anyway. Right. And you know, that's, it's fascinating because there's, like you said, Deacon Patrick, there's plenty of guilt to go around, but rather than do the intellectual hard work to find out what the truth is, let's just pick a group of people who are different from the rest of us and let's just blame them, right? Let's just, you know, take a look at the Catholic church with all of these, you know, things that they do that are countercultural and just say it's, it's their fault. And, and, um, you know, I, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, I read a book by a non-Catholic, um, by a Protestant author, and the title of the book was Anti-Catholicism, The Last Acceptable Prejudice. And this non-Catholic author made the case that the last prejudice that's okay, right? We've, we've tried to root out racial prejudice and ethnic prejudice, all of those things, but it is okay to just sort of blame the Catholic Church uh, for everything. And it's, and it's in this intellectually lazy world that we live in, um, it's just too common, which is why we're having this conversation today. Well, and it's worth making a distinction here because there's intelligence, which is the organic capacity to think. And that's that's one thing. Intelligence can get you into Harvard. Then there's intellect. And intellect is a gift of faith. If you don't have faith, you don't have intellect. Right. And intellect can uh, intellect allows us to connect knowledge with faith and how do we live that out integrated in this world as we run towards Christ. And there are a, a lot of saints who d had less intelligence than others, but they had a whole lot more intellect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well and, said. And they're who we remember. They're who we learn from. Well, I, I realize I actually kind of, I think, skipped ahead. Um, what, one of the other topics that we wanted to... We're in a time machine, so we can go back. Okay, good. Because we, we skipped over Columbus. And um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I I do feel like that's, def you know, he's definitely, in terms of people who get a bad rap, definitely... We're know, back to Spain. <laughs> we're back to Spain, yeah. Right. But, but you know, I mean, I, I think... Um, it, um, it, it's interesting because literally just uh, on Monday, I guess, that would have been the 9th, we're recording this on October 12th, was Columbus Day. But here in Colorado, we no longer celebrate Columbus Day, right? Um, it's Indigenous Peoples Day. And, um, you know, basically he is, um, uh, you know, accused of just... Uh, being the one who brought all sorts of misery and enslavement um, to the uh, the uh, indigenous people um, on the here in North and South America, and you know again it's one of those things where it, it he, he himself um, well I mean there's there's a lot of things you could say but certainly was never um, intent on enslaving um, 
the indigenous peoples, but we know that, you know, obviously some of the people that followed him did just that, you know, but um, as you mentioned, Deacon Patrick, it's, it's often, you know, governments who are more responsible for these types of injustices than uh, people who are, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Christopher Columbus is considered to have been a, a, a faithful Catholic, um, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, again, he, he uh, I, I, I think, you know, more than anything, he simply was um, uh, intent on um, exploring the, the, or expanding the known world. Well, saints aren't perfect, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's worth saying that that Columbus and the explorers, they encountered some imperfect people as well. You know, human sacrifice and child sacrifice and those things were just were rampant. And so we, we forget that it wasn't this, you know, angelic kind of experience that they encountered when they arrived in the New World. Well, the whole expansion of the conquistador, the conquistadors get a bad rap equal to the bad rap of the uh, Crusades. And the reality is very different if you delve into understanding that. Um, it's also worth noting uh, <clears throat> the all this whole podcast is kind of a, a uh, we loaded the uh, the salt, the rock salt into the shotgun and and blasted out a bunch of topics. <laughs> but but the idea is, to encourage our listeners to uh, investigate on their own and learn um, and unlearn, <laughs> maybe like me, I had to unlearn a whole lot. Uh, and I wanted to give four books um, that were instrumental in our homeschool. Um, and two of them are the hist uh, history books that we used. Uh, the first one is, Christ the King, Lord of History, by Ann W. Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -L. And she also wrote Christ and the Americas. Um, both of those are by Tan Books, T-A-N. And then uh, How Catholic Art Saved the Faith, by Elizabeth Lev, L-E-V. And How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization by, uh, spinally says Woods. Uh, let me see. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I think his name was Tom Woods. I, Thomas Bishop Woods. Sheridan actually interviewed him. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a good, yeah. That's a good book. <clears throat> so those are excellent resources um, to to begin. Uh, if, you, if you don't want to trust uh, Deacon Rob's internet, then <laughs> they should not. the printed word the uh the analog versions are great uh i don't know if they have digital versions or not but <laughs> i'll cue you up there veronica for we're, we're almost out of time yeah yeah we are yeah right we are we are out of time for today um before we go we just want to remind everybody that you can find this episode and all past episodes of catholic halos on uh, spotify google podcasts apple podcasts uh, Stitcher and several other platforms. So feel free to check us out there. All our three years worth of episodes are, are, are on those locations. 
Stitcher um, sounds horribly appropriate for Halloween coming up. <laughs> All All Souls Day. I don't. I to this day do not know how they came up with that name for a podcast platform, but but there there we are. So, um, well, Deacon, I don't know uh, where Deacon Doug is. So, would you mind uh, lead us leading us in a closing <laughs> prayer as well? <laughs> in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc in anora mortis nostre. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast.